up, everybody? Woo! I'm pumped to be back. We got my boys in the front row. We love to see it. What's up, guys? Let me do a quick check-in real quick before we get into everything. Uh, how many of you would say you got a good night's sleep last night? Raise your hand. You're proud of that. You did not? My man, I'm sorry, bro. Side hug from my guy. How many, how many hours you get? Three. My, my, my son kept me up all day. Three? Did anyone get less than three? Congratulations, you're the worst rested person at camp. Give it up for him. There it is. I'm sorry. You hate to see it. Dang, dang, dang. Uh, real quick, is my guy, is my guy Frank here? Where's my dude Frank? Yo, all right, can we all say hi, Frank? All right, you can sit back down. That's my friend Frank. We just met yesterday. I got to tell you something he said to me last night. So Frank comes up. He's like, yo, Jordan. Hey, man. Great message. I thought it was awesome. You know, one thing, though, is you talked about not being basic, but you wore a jersey. <laughs> you were thinking the same. I said, Dang, Frank, put me on blast like that. Uh, he had to be frank and tell me the truth, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Frank. We, we thank you. You know, we were talking about friends not affirming us in the boat, so uh, I guess, Frank, you're my friend like that that's going to tell it to me straight. Uh, but yesterday, we're no longer basic, right? We decide we're taking a step. We're stepping out. We're keeping our eyes locked on Jesus. We're walking towards him. We're not basic anymore. So today, here's what I want us to talk about. I want to talk about the things we don't like about ourselves. Mm, right? Yesterday, I built you up. You're great. You got a purpose. You're amazing. You're this, you're that. Today, boom, we're coming right back down. Now, I know that we all have things we don't like about ourselves, things that we wish we could change about ourselves, whatever. I'm going to be honest. I've got a few. And here's the worst part. Do you know what? I, it stinks when you realize something new that now you have to not like about yourself. Do you know what I mean? When all of a sudden you're thinking you're good and then someone says something, you're like, oh, thank you for pointing that out. Now I hate this about me. For instance, I always knew that I wasn't very tall. I wasn't dumb. You know, I know I'm short. But now I start seeing all these TikToks like short people have no souls. And I'm like, wow, ouch. People are like, if he's not 6'1 or taller, I'm not dating him. And I'm like, dang, y'all really hate us short people, right? We've all got things like that. Okay, here's another one. Here's another one. Um, I didn't realize this about myself when I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade is just the worst year ever. Would you agree with that? Like the worst. Some of you really liked eighth grade. I hated it. Middle school sucked. It was terrible. I remember uh, I was in history class, and there was a paper getting passed around. It was like one of those classes where we're supposed to be working, but no one's working. You know what I'm talking about. We're all just screwing around. And there's a piece of paper getting passed around, and everyone is dying laughing at this piece of paper. And I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what it is. And everybody is, like, adding to it. So they're, like, drawing, and, and then they're passing it. And I'm, like, getting so excited. Like, what is on this piece of paper, right? And it's coming around the classroom. And eventually it gets to someone beside me. So I run over. Do you want to know what was being drawn by the entire class on that piece of paper? Me. It was a picture of me. And I had a pimple on my nose that day. You hate to see it. Hashtag middle school, right? And I look, and they drew this huge pimple on my nose. And I'm like, dang, y'all are really freaking savages right now. But the worst part was that they drew me with a huge unibrow, right? And I'm like, why did they draw me? And everyone's dying laughing. I was so sad. I'm like, what the heck? And I look, I'm like, I don't have a unibrow. Do I? 
And everybody starts dying laughing. They're like, tee So I sprint to the bathroom, right, to look at myself in the mirror. And I realize for the first time, oh, my gosh, I've got one brow. It was terrible. You got one, too. That's my guy. We're bros. So I'm in, I'm in the bathroom going, eh, 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 trying to like plug out, like with my fingers, trying to pluck out my unibrow. Then it's like all red and everyone's like, he eh, tried to plug out his unibrow. It was just the worst. I also remember, I don't know if you noticed this about me. Anyone else do this? I kind of stand with my feet outward sometimes. You know, anyone ever do that? Okay. I hated that. About, I'd see myself in pictures like, like a clown. I'm like, oh. So I used to stand in the shower and like try and... I would actually grab my feet, like push them in, just like, please let me be normal. Okay, I say all that to say this. I think every single one of us has something about our life that we would say is a weakness, that we wish we could change. And a lot of those things probably are silly things like external things, right? The way we look, how tall we are, our body, whatever. But if we're honest, we also probably have some things that we don't like about ourselves that are more internal, right? Some of us, like we keep trying at school and we're just dumb as dirt. There's just, there's, you know, everyone's like, just try harder. And you're like, you don't get it. I'm dumb, okay? Like, I, I can't do better than this. Some of us have a lot of anxiety and depression that we wish we could change. Some of us have a lot of anger that we realize is in there, but we, we really wish we could change. My point is, I think every single one of us has one thing or two that we really wish we could change about who we are. And, and I guess a, a way for us to think about it would be, if I asked you this question, if you could instantly change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Some of you are like, can I get three? <laughs> can I get three wishes? Like, I'd, I'd take three if I could. You know, if you could instantly change it. And here's what I want to say today. I really do believe that God can take the things that you hate most about yourself, and he can use them for good. That's who God is. That he can actually take your weakness, the things you're not good at, the things you wish you could change, the things that we don't want anyone to find out about. He can actually take that and use it. I'll also say this. You have a story that's worth telling. You really do. Every person in this room, you've got a story worth telling. Let me say it this way. An unedited story worth telling. I think a lot of us, we feel like we got to get perfect, and the only version of ourselves that we put forward is like this perfect one. You know, like, okay, here's the me that I want you all to see. Only me and like some of my best friends know the real me. But I'll say this, you have a story worth telling. And if I can be honest in the room just for a second, I think this is where Christianity and Christians, we have done a bad job. Christians are literally sometimes the worst about being honest about their current struggles and current weaknesses. And to all the youth pastors and youth leaders in the room, and I'm looking at myself, that starts with us. We have got to do a better job with that. Christians are really good at talking about how I used to struggle, right? Everyone sounds like this. Oh, I used to have a problem. I used to be anxious. I used to have depression. I used to have a lust issue. But now, praise the Lord, I'm doing great. We're so good at talking about how we used to have problems, but we really struggle to be honest about what we're currently struggling with. Hello, everyone in the room. We've all got weaknesses. Things we hate about ourselves that we wish we could change that we don't want anyone to find out about. But I'm here to tell you, God can use that thing. 
And actually, I'm going to tell a story or use a story in the Bible that is literally one of my favorite stories. By the way, that's the best part about being a camp speaker. You can just come in and tell all your favorite Bible stories. Tonight, tonight, I'm going to tell you my literal favorite story in the whole Bible. But that's not today. That's not today. This is one of my favorite ones. And it's found in the book of Judges. Now, before I get into reading the verse, can I just tell you the history of this really quick? Because the book of Judges follows a very predictable cycle. Okay, go with me. The nation of Israel, this is before Jesus came and died. So there's the nation of Israel, and here's what they would do. They'd be in love with God, they'd follow him, and then they'd turn into sin. They'd follow their own ways, they'd do their own things. Because they would turn away from God, that would open them up, and they would get attacked by another nation. Eventually, they would get enslaved to another king, and they would suffer, suffer, suffer for years. Sometimes whole generations in captivity to another king. Paying them tribute, paying them money, fighting for their armies, getting invaded over and over, until eventually they would cry out to God, God, save us, and he would raise up a judge. Someone who was almost like a superhero who would come up, kick out the old king, kick him in the teeth, save the day, and then boom, we're back. We love you, God. And eventually fall into sin, get enslaved, serve another king. God save us. New judge. Boom. And this whole book of Judges, it's like depressing to read because it's the same cycle over and over and over again. So we're going to pick up a story right here. Right here. You see that? Okay. Here's where we are. Israel is enslaved to a king. And let me tell you something about this king. This king is a very fat man. That's what we get. He is a large, the backside of an elephant. Okay, G.K. Chunkerton, King Eglon is a very fat man. Okay, you don't believe me? You'll hear about it. This man was so fat that the only thing the Bible has to say about him is that he was a very fat man. Okay, so... Let's read together in the Bible. We're in the book of Judges. Here's what we've got. Little fatty. Verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud. Okay, everybody say Ehud. Now, that's his name, but I'm going to call him Ehud. Okay, Let let me break it down by. So I grew up on the north side of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I taught in a private school for a little bit, a little money, whatever. But, but I grew up on the north side of Pittsburgh, okay? This guy, Ehud, was a little hood. You'll see how, why in a little bit, okay? I understand Jack Sackpool played basketball with Mac Miller, Big Rip, Wiz Khalifa. So I know a hood kind of guy when I see it. Ehud, let me tell you why. Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to King Eglon, the king of Moab. By the way, just random point, king of Moab, that's actually where Jericho was, for those of you who know the Bible. So remember when they walked around Jericho and they had like a big victory? Well, guess what? Now, that place that used to be victory is now ruling back over them. It's like, dang, we already saw God defeat them, and now we're enslaved to them again? Why is this cycle happening? Now, Ehud, or Ehud, made a double-edged sword about a cubit long which he strapped, my man's is strapped, okay, strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to King Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man, all right? So we got king fleshy, little meaty, big fatty, all meat, no potatoes, okay, cottage cheese thighs king, like Jabba the Hutt ruling, ho, 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 bring me the tribute. And this dude is sent to be a judge. Now, let me break down a couple things. Did you see what, what hand was he? He was a 
left-handed kind of man. Why would the Bible say that? Let me break down something here. Back in those days, everyone was right-handed. They used their right hand. How many of you are left-handed here? Well, hey, 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 okay. Love to see it. I'm sorry that the English language makes you smear your own writing and that there's no desks in school like ever for you, right? Okay, the pain is real. Boom. Now, everyone was right-handed. Why? Because they would use their right hand to greet people. They would use their right hand to shake hands, to exchange money. You know what they use their left hand for? Why would he said bum? What, what are we? They wipe their bum. Yes, to wipe their bum, right? That's what they would use their left hand to. So you wouldn't be like, hey, put her there, buddy. You'd be like, you tool. Like, what the heck? Why are you giving me your left hand? So this man in a culture that was right-handed was a left-handed man. Actually, when you study the Bible, here's what we find out. It actually says that he was bound in his right hand. He's a left-handed man, but he was bound. Most likely, he actually had a disability. Ehud had a disability of some sort that prevented him from using his right hand. Now, did you see what tribe he was from? It said it there in the verse. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Do you know what Benjamin means? The son of my right hand. Okay, so we got a guy in a right-handed society, in a tribe that means the son of my right hand, who's left-handed. Talk about a weakness. Talk about feeling like, man, I do not belong. You know, we said that God can actually use your weaknesses. And this man, Ehud, must have felt like, man, there, there is something wrong with me. And I want to say to every person in this room that feels like you were born into the wrong family, that you are not in the right church, maybe you're in an athletic family and you're like, dad, listen, I'm sorry, but I'm just not the athlete that you want me to be. Like, I wish I was, but, like, I'm not good at that. Or all your brothers and sisters are, like, freaking geniuses, and they're going to Harvard, and your parents went to Yale, and you're like, yo, I'm really trying, but I'm just, like, a 2.5 GPA kind of guy or kind of girl. I'm trying my best. Or maybe there's something that you wouldn't even want to say. You're like, dude, Jordan, if you knew, like, I'm here, and I'm worshiping, and I'm listening, and I want to be a Christian, but honestly, I'm kind of bad at it. I mess up a lot. I'm not very dedicated to God. When I leave this place, I don't even know. Sometimes I cuss. Sometimes I party. What I want to say is this, that God can use you in spite of your weakness. God can use you in spite of your weakness. I mean, here's the thing. When did we ever get the idea that perfection equals usability by God? That's a load of crap. That we have to be perfect in order to be used by God? Who taught you that? Where do we get that in our mind? I have no idea where it came, but I want to let you know, if you feel like I've got nothing to offer, I'm unusable, I'm not smart, I'm a mess up, I'm no good, let me just tell you, the devil has used your insecurity for far too long to keep you frozen in place. Like, you're like, I'm not even going to take a step towards God because I'm too weak. Guess what? God can use all of our weaknesses, and he does. He can use you in spite of his, your weakness. That's what happened to Ehud. I mean, Ehud was a judge sent by God, yet he's a left-handed man. Now, let's keep looking at the story because something crazy is about to happen. After Ehud had presented the tribute, by the way, that means he goes tail between his legs to Jabba the Hutt, right? Ho, ho, ho. Hands him the money, and he starts walking home. Probably feeling like, what are we doing? Paying this fat, messed up king. Like, why are we doing this? And as he's walking, here's what the Bible says. He sent on the way to those who carried it. Verse 19. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, 
he himself went back. Stop. So he's walking away, just paid this dude, reaches the stone images at Gilgal. If you're confused what the heck that is, so was I. All right? I'm like, what is that? He, but that thing makes him turn back. Look what he says to the king. We'll go into this in a second. He went back and said to King Eglon, your majesty, I've got a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, leave us. And they all left. Now, part of me is thinking, like, what? What was it about these stones that made him go, left-handed guy, pay the tribute, walk away, see those stones and said, skirt, I need to go back. What was it? So I was searching in the Bible. And I found something that literally, when I read it, it blew my mind. So we're in the book of Judges. We're going to go to a different book really quick. I want you to read this. Everybody look at the screen, please. Because when I saw this, I think the Lord used this to speak something to me. And I hope he does to you. We're going uh, into the book of Joshua. Here's what it says. Those 12 stones, which they had taken up out of the Jordan, the Jordan River, Joshua set up in Gilgal, the same place that he was just walking past, saying to the Israelites, when your children ask their parents in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel crossed over the Jordan here on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over as the Lord your God did the Red Sea when he dried it up in which we crossed over. You remember when they parted the Red Sea? God parted the Red Sea and they walked through it. That's a famous Bible story. They set up an altar of stones to remind themselves that God did that. And here's what it says. So that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Hold up. This can preach. So he's walking and he sees these stones that represent one thing. Here's what it represents, that God was with me in the past. And if he's with me in the past, no matter what my weakness is, God is greater and I can do all things through him. He sees these stones and there's something that rises up inside of him and says, man, I'm sick of paying to this fat so. I'm sick of living in captivity, sick of fearing my weakness, sick of feeling like I'm not enough. And he goes back and this is where the story gets really good. Look at what happens here. I'll read it. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room at his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. Hold on. Y'all know I'm Italian, right? There's part of me that feels like this is some Italian mafia type beat. He says, hey, fatso, I got a message from God for you, right? Just him and this fat king. Here's the message. I got a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, probably took 40 minutes, Ehud reached with his left hand and drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the, this is kind of gross, even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. The fat guy pooped himself, okay? There it is. Just literally crapped himself. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed in over it. Who doesn't like reading the Bible? Dang it. That is some good. He takes that sword and says, I got a message from God for you. Shanks the dude and, you know, loses the sword. Oh, okay. I guess I'll just leave and kills the king right there. Here's my second point. Not only can God use you in spite of your weakness, God can use you because of your weakness. Because of your weakness. Let me just preach this real quick. When they checked him to go into the king, they probably checked him for a sword. Who's going to leave a guy alone with the king without a sword? But they checked him where a 
right-handed man would put a sword. Maybe here, maybe there. But this dude was left-handed, right? And he was able, because he was left-handed, because of his weakness, he was able to hide a sword and shank the kid. Come on, baby. Who doesn't love a good Bible story? Let me just preach this at you for one second. God can use you because of your weakness. I bet every leader in this room is here not because they're great, not because they're so good. Oh, I'm the best Christian. No, we're here because of our weaknesses too. Here, let me lead the way and just tell you a little bit about myself. Things I don't like saying, but it, it, it's a good thing to model. When I was your age and throughout college, I was hopelessly addicted to attention from females. And I don't use that word lightly. I'm talking years of counseling. Where I didn't like myself if I didn't have a girl talking to me. And it caused me to do so many things that I regret. But you know what's crazy about that? God can use me in spite of my weakness and because of my weakness. You know what I spend most of my time doing these days when I'm discipling students one-on-one? I have a knack for talking to students, male students that are in the same place, that are hopelessly addicted to pornography, need female attention, addicted to sexting. That is where God is using me. And while I would never, ever want to you know, say, oh, I'm glad that happened to me, I would love to erase that, God is using me because of my weakness. And I bet every leader in this room has something that is motivating them to give up a weekend, to give up their time and give it to you. And students, I want to tell you, you are not alone. Every single one of us has a weakness, yet God can use us in spite of our weakness and because our weakness. It's about time we started to tell our story. So three takeaways and then I'm done. Three things I want you to do. Number one, admit that you're weak. Some of you are too headstrong to be used by God right now. You're like, I've got nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. It starts with us admitting that we do have a weakness. Hudson Taylor, a famous, famous missionary to China, someone asked him, dude, how were you able to plant so many churches and do so many awesome things in China? You know what his answer was? Because I am weak. Dang. Mic drop, right? Because I'm weak. So number one, I'm asking all of you, admit that you have a weakness. Number two, remember. Remember. Here's what I want to show you. It was because Ehud saw the rocks that were made, remembering that God was with them in the past. Sometimes when we're thinking about all our weaknesses and, oh, I could never be used by God and I'm no good, sometimes it just takes us to look back and see all the moments that God was faithful for us. All the moments he had our back and was there for us. And that helps us to realize, man, God can use me in the future. And the third thing that I want you to do and that's what we're going to practice today in cabin time. Third thing is embrace your story. Embrace your story. Young person, you've got a story that's worth telling. You do. Unedited, incomplete, in current struggles. That doesn't intimidate us. That doesn't freak us out. We're not like, oh, no, same. <laughs> Bro, if I'm in your cabin time, I'll share some of my current struggles because we all have them. And I want you to embrace your story. You know, when we begin to tell our story, the real story, is when we start to see ourselves as God does. And, you know, I want to say this. So in our, in our cabin time, we're going to take some time just to tell our story, our history. You know, it, we'll, we'll ask questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know, bucket list items. You know, how many siblings do you have? Things like that. But if you're brave enough, I dare you to share some other stories too. Like, what's an insecurity? Tell me the loneliest moment of your life. And I've done this exercise a lot, and I want to say this. 
the students that squirm the most, that laugh the most, that make jokes throughout this, tend to be the most insecure. You know, they present themselves like, oh, oh, you know, oh, you're weak, haha, I'm not. But that actually tends to be the most insecure student. So I want to ask you something. Today in cabin time, I want to challenge you. Please, be respectful of one another and lean in. Guys, this is your youth group. This is your tribe. And I think if we can leave this place knowing one another a little bit better, getting an idea of one another's story, I think that is the best thing that we could do. So let me pray for us, and then I'll send us off into cabin time. Jesus, I thank you that you can use us in spite of our weakness, but also because of our weakness, that you have given us Uh, tasks that no one else can do and no one else can accomplish. I thank you, Lord, for the bravery that's going to be demonstrated, and I thank you for the bond that's going to be formed with people who didn't even really know one another before this weekend. I thank you that in weakness, we can celebrate that you are strong. So help us, Lord, to get to know new best friends this week, new best friends this weekend, and continue to be brave and share our weakness because you delight in our weakness. Because when we're weak, You're strong. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. You guys are dismissed to cabin time. Have fun. I'll see you guys at Mud Games right after that. Love you guys.